Radio! That's right. This is the Pregame Engineer Tailgame Air Racing Podcast, episode number 292. For Tuesday, June 1st, 2021, I'm Tailgame Air Rusty Wallace in the PTM Podcast Studio in Atlanta, Georgia. The PTM Podcast is sponsored by you. That's right. Go to patreon.com forward slash PTM. Join the Watch Drink Club for as little as $1 a month. Get that free koozie. Best part is, every cent this year, we're donating to sponsored drivers. Join the PTM Posse today. Be a part of the sport you love. This week's show brought to our official sponsors at that $5 and up per month level. See if we can do it. Aaron Bearden, Robert Keplinger, Coleman Clam, Eric Kepner, Ryan Kiefer, Patrick Cleary, Jeff Brown, Brandon Crock, Kathy McDonald, Brandon Carl, Rico Porter, Julie Bosley, Edgar, Third, Younger Motorsports, David Mullins, Patrick Johnson, Brett Morris, Coast Smoke, Fred Rosado, Chad Nappin, Stacey Coleman, Lisa Chinano, Rick Houston, Sarah and Barry Evan Roller, Matthew Bishop, Harry Balzania, AJ Evangelista, Janet Scott, Les Miller, and Jumpy Bob. All right. Well, that bodes well. That did pretty good. Except in my uh, show notes, I had the wrong uh, I had the wrong episode number. Hence the uh, hence the pause there. I was like episode number two hundred and ninety. It's not 91 anymore. This is 92. It's time to get moving, closing, closing in on 300 with the partner in crime from the PTM North Carolina studio, pregame engineer Andrew Sherwin. What's up, dude? I tell you what, the Mooresville studio is on the struggle bus today. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and bring him in and then talk about it, but we'll welcome to the show for the second time in his master's degree episode, fabricator for Stuart Haas Racing, self-described mountaineer and charcuterie board connoisseur. He's on Twitter at Brian underscore Murphy underscore. It's Brian Murphy. What's up, Brian? Not much. Uh, I appreciate you for having me on again. This is, uh, I'm really excited. You know, we get to, uh, you know, our last episode was in December, so I'm sure we got a lot to talk about. It's been a busy six months. Absolutely. Yeah, we were, you know, we were sitting there. I, I kept asking you questions in the in the pre-show like, ooh, how about this? And I'm like, wait, don't answer that. We'll talk about it on the show. Ooh, how about this? Uh, so we just sat there staring at each other like, uh, I don't really have anything to talk about because I want to talk on the show. But we, we always talk about the same thing first time. Uh, Brian, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, a bush light. Bush no light. You know, it's, it's either bush light or it's the Dixie vodka. Tonight I chose my uh, bush light. So on brand, I dig it. Sherwin, what you got? I don't know if this is my first go at this, but you can tell how much the bus is struggling because that is a big glass of water. <laughs> well, he's gonna he's gonna run it out of fuel right here on the show, boys and girls. But uh, we're we're excited to have you and everything. I uh, am still working on the uh, most expensive beer run in the world that we had uh, last week, whenever it was, a week and a half ago. Uh, Creature Comforts, the Creature Stout Coffee Stout is there on deck. And I got normal PTM special stuff uh, in the glass right now. But um, I would like to say that I did make it out to the store on Monday, and I got me some of that red, white, and blue Budweiser. I was hoping to engage in that activity this evening, but... Uh, Nah, body said no. Maybe not today, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all so uh, it, it was funny because Brian jumped on and then and then Sherwin <laughs> jumped on. And he's uh, uh, first thing I said, Sherwin, you don't look that great. And he's like, mm. <laughs> but uh, you know, you look you look great for how uh, for how I understand that you're feeling right now. So appreciate you hanging out with us. But I had said in the pre-show or not in the pre-show, I had said well, I did talk about it in the pre-show a little bit, but I had said to. Uh, to Brian that I almost texted Sherwin at one or two o'clock today and said, dude, I just, I'm not in the headspace. I cannot do this show tonight. Uh, and right before I was about to send something, Sherwin goes, Brian Murphy tonight. And I'm like, Brian Murphy, hell yeah. We're going to have fun then. You know what? Screw this thing. We're going to, we're going to talk to Brian and have some fun. So Brian, what's shaking? <laughs> not much. A busy day at the shop here as well. The, uh, you know, the cars are going to Sonoma this weekend. So after a day off yesterday, a well-deserved day off for, for the whole shop. It's, it's a busy week just getting the cars ready. They have to leave either tonight. The 14 left tonight. Um, the rest of the cars are going to leave in the morning for the long trip out west. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a busy day. It's going to be a busy morning. And, and those guys got to get on the road for these cars to get out west. So, Man. Yeah, and that's uh, I I don't think about that that trek that has to happen right now. You're saying like the car has to leave the shop today to get there in time for. I mean, it makes sense, but even then, I mean those uh, those guys are trucking. Uh, what's it take? Two days? Three days? Uh, good two days. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's an unfortunate scheduling. Uh, <laughs> you know, after a day off, uh, Memorial Day. You know, all the teams usually give all their guys the days off. Um, that they can because we work so hard and, and especially those shop guys they work um you know at least five days a week a lot of them six some seven to 
to get these cars ready. So to give them Memorial Day off is always important. That's one of the days that, you know, we always take off for obvious reasons. And, uh, you know, to, to have a West Coast race the next week is is quite the task. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're ready. We, we, we got one car on the way out West. Um, Chase Briscoe is going to run the Arca race. So that's why they had to leave a day early. They had to get that car out there for, for those guys to run. And, you know, the, the others will be leaving tomorrow, not soon after, not soon after the doors open. So uh, again, busy day, busy week. And, uh, you know, again, followed up by the all-star race next year, those or next week, those cars, uh, those, those cars are going to get a lot of attention as well. So it's, it's going to be a busy week here at the shop. I'm curious about the hauler drivers now that we're just talking about, you know, the haulers leaving and stuff. Are they, you know, another part of the team or contracted out? I'm curious how it works on uh, the big teams like that. They're, they're another part of the, they are a big part of our team. It's, yeah. we have you, at least two per team. Um, and then with all the West coast stuff, we have uh, a couple drivers that do show cars or R and D haulers or things like that. So, our truck drivers are very much a family. They're very important. They they aren't even just truck drivers. They're babysitters. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of them have have a lot of great insight on not only racing but life. I mean, I go to our truck drivers for a lot of things, not just for nuts and bolts. So, um, but they they have so many so many important roles on just not only cleaning the truck. I mean, that's that's simple, right? I mean, you want a good looking hauler, but. But also knowing where things are at when when there's an emergency and you need something right now, those guys know where everything is. They can find it. And, and nowadays, a lot of them are actually with the roster cuts. They're they're mechanics. They're mm. uh, you know they run fuel. They do things during the pit stop. So these these hauler drivers aren't just hauler drivers. They are very important uh, pieces of this team. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, you know the evolution of what that looks like. You know. I, in the, in the early days, you're driving your own car around. And then, you know, as you sort of graduate up and, you know, I, I don't know what it is on the, on the mid-level teams, but on the elite teams like SHR, I, I was just curious what, uh, what their, you know, what their role was in the organization too. Like uh, get out and then start, you know, uh, pump gas, change tires. And, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's, you know, part of the NASCAR rule book is, um roof flaps for instance there's a certain spec in the gaps that go around the roof flaps of the roof you know it's it's 60 to 100 thousands and that that is usually done later in the process once the once the car gets out on the floor just because the the roofs will shift around and things like that so we usually do that at the end so that those gaps are are exactly what nascar is looking for and I didn't get to the car as soon as I could today. We, there was a lot of things going on, and I walked up, and there was a truck driver standing on the roof flap, making sure the roof flaps were oh, gapped cool. correctly. So, I mean, they are—they're uh, not again—they're not just uh, truck drivers. They are—they are very <laughs> important parts of this organization. That's awesome. So, switching gears for a moment, ha ha ha! Truck driving, switching gears. Come on, give me something here. Uh, it's, it's been a day. Um, <laughs> Uh, last time we talked about hiking for quite a bit and I was like, you know, we could sit here for the next hour and talk hiking, but you know, I'll get my little piece in every, every once in a while. Have you done any, uh, any big hikes since last time we talked to you? Oh yeah. So, um, since then I've done, uh, well, me and a coworker have started Appalachia Adventure Group, which is, um, I hate to call it a business cause it's not really a business. It's more of a trying to create a community of people mm-hmm. that have specialties that can take people out and show them the outdoors show them you know educate them on how to recreate responsibly and things like that so um since then we've done we did the art lobe trail we did that in less than 36 hours um which is 36 miles Uh, (laughs) and so that was that was a big accomplishment that for me and you know uh the group people we went with we've also uh repelled looking glass which is a 400 450 foot uh mountain in north carolina uh, which was absolutely spectacular. I mean, repelling that was, was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, and then, you know, this past weekend, you can, you can see pictures on the Instagram and Twitter where we went rock climbing this weekend and I'm not a good rock climber. I'm, I'm 200 pounds. I got some weak arms. So just climbing up 10 feet, of uh, you know, a big accomplishment for me. So, uh, but we had a good time rock climbing, uh, and you know, we got all kinds of, 
of trips and, and things planned for the future. So if anybody's interested, you know, give us, you know, contact us and, and we can hook you up. I'll tell you what, that rock climbing thing, that it's a different breed. And I know a couple people who are, you know, big into it. And I mean, that is, that is a, a life thing. I mean, you have to, yeah, you have to plan your meal around how this is going to help you. You got to plan your next workout. Everything is, is around climbing and it's, uh, it's incredible. You know, po- folks who are, who are good at it, not even just elite at it, but you, you were like, I'm no good at rock climbing. I went, uh, to the, to the indoor rock climbing area over here, uh, one time. And I mean, like it was, <laughs> you know, I, I just start laughing at one point. They're like, all right, put your other leg over there. I'm like, I, it doesn't do that. <laughs> that ain't, well, that ain't how part, this body works. What part is, is when you get like, uh, you know, my, my fear is I get up like 10, 15, 20 feet and I start getting nervous because I'm not good with heights. Mm. Um, and you look over and there's a 10 year old just climbing up like a spider and, and running past you all the way at the top, a hundred feet up. And you're just like, man, these little kids are doing it now. You know, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. Cause next to us was like, this, I guess they're the speed climbing walls, uh, because I have a timer yeah. and you go up and you slap the button or whatever. Yeah. And here I am, just like you're saying, I'm, I'm maybe three feet off the ground at this point, just, just trying to do three points as best I can. And here goes this kid next to me, like, like the handholds aren't even there it, running up the wall. It's, uh, it's insane. So, um, have you, uh, have you hiked? Uh, so a couple weeks ago, uh, we went out to Bryson city and that was my first time out there and hiking out there. Um, really cool area with, uh, you know, it had mountains, waterfalls. It had uh, you know mountain lakes and stuff to go around. I, I really enjoyed that. So we've been out west a lot. That's you know, obviously, like I said, it's one of the perks of this job is is if you're on the road crew, you, you get to travel and see a bunch of amazing places in this country. And and I've been fortunate to do that for a couple of years. Uh, I never made it out to Bryson City. We we went to Zion and uh, a lot of places up that way, but just the way the West coast swing worked and just, you know, the amount of times I were up there, you know, we went to Zion, we went to Valley. We just never made it that way. I got you. So just real quick, I was referring to Bryson city, North Carolina. <laughs> oh, 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 no, I, I have never been, I, I haven't been that way. Okay. I mean, I've been through it, but uh, my bad. Yeah, no, Bryson city out West is really nice too, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've actually been to, uh, I guess Bryce Canyon, uh, Bryce city, Bryce Canyon. Yeah. Um, we went there. As a matter of fact, it was four years ago. Cause I've got, uh, I, I, I was reminded on Facebook. It was like, Hey, here's you four years ago. I'm like, ah, eh, back pre pandemic when we traveled and stuff and had yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, any podcasting lately? I know you're not a, uh, you're not a junior to the podcasting scene. No, not much. Um, you know, the work has taken a lot of it. Mm. Um, the, the time and now the AAG deal, Appalachia Adventure Group. Um, so haven't done much of much of that. Um, but you know, this is it's actually it's actually a lot of fun with the time I have to just do something like this. You know, I really enjoy this, and, and this is what I have time to do is jump on and do this and not edit or or things like that. So yeah, yeah, enjoy bush light and talk to a couple yeah. of yahoos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Um, so we, we, this is one of those preview questions in the, in the pre-show that we were talking about, but, uh, last time we talked, it was off season. And I think, uh, so I went back and looked at the notes and, and saw that you had uh, nonchalantly kind of said, yeah, we need to build like 20 cars. No big deal. <laughs> and so now here we are in the thick of it. So what, what's the season been like so far for you? It's been, uh, it's been, I mean, decent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you look at SHR and we're, we're not performing where we want to, obviously. I mean, the the level that we, you know, what we hold, the standard we hold ourselves to, we're, we're not performing to that. I mean, that's that's not, you know, that's obvious, right? Um, but we've had some really good years. We've won a ton of races in the last couple of years. And it's, you know, people always ask, like, how's the mood? How's, how's the shop? And, you know, we this happens. I mean, you can't dominate every year and, uh, we're, you know, you just work through your challenges. There's, there's no panic really. It's just try, everybody's trying their best to figure out whatever issue we have, uh, you know, so we can solve that. Um, you know, 2019, we had, we had a very similar start to 2019. 
where we won or 2017, I'm sorry. Uh, we won the, the 500, which I mean, speedway mm-hmm. race. And then we had a really slow year after that. And we didn't win a race until the end of June with Harvick at Sonoma coming up this week. So, um, you know, it's easy to panic. It's easy to, you know, I guess, you know, lose sight on what you're doing because you're scared of making certain decisions or not, but that's not really what's going on. I mean, everybody's working really hard to get these cars to perform the way we want them. Um, There's a lot of different areas that, that can throw a team off and, and, you know, these years happen and it's not really, you know, it's, it's not really embarrassing. It's just, it's just part of it. And you just Mm -hmm. work towards fixing the issue. Yeah. I'm uh, a quick detour. I'm actually wearing my Zion hat for you. So (laughs) (laughs) thought about it. Um, So uh, I'm wondering how like the feedback loop works in your role. Like, so from race to race, you're getting some sort of feedback. Hey, this needs to happen or that needs to happen. And and how that gets down to you and, and the changes that you're making on a, on a regular basis. Well, it's, it's very much the other thing that with, with this 550 package is in, you know, the way the aero game works now is there's so many different options for these teams and these drivers. It's, it's not like the 750 package or, or what we did in many years past where all you're doing is just trying to get downforce, right? It doesn't matter if it's efficient or not. You're just trying to build a car with as much downforce as you can. And, and nowadays you have to be really smart with how you do that. You have to find a fucking downforce drag can really you know how much drag you have on a car can really dictate on how you perform in the race so you can't just find any kind of downforce you have to find certain types of downforce you have to find front downforce you have to find Mm -hmm. rear downforce so um you know for me it's just you know the team evolves the driver evolves after each race what do i want what do i need what did we learn from that race um how did our car mechanically work? How does that change what we want aerodynamically? So there's so many factors that go into how these cars react on the racetrack. And, and that's the hard part now is it's, it's, there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more options and there's a lot more that dictates how, you know, again, how you perform. So, uh, you know, it's, it's for every, just when I think I haven't figured out, then the game changes, and now suddenly we're trying to, you know, redesign the the car again. So yeah, yeah, I was going to ask with, with so with this year's schedule with so many road courses, and we're about to go to one, uh, how that changes up, you know, your even day to day job. Is it is it you know, oh my gosh, we're going to a different, a totally different place. You know, we just got back from Coda, and then we're we're at the Coke Six Hundred, and maybe. I, I don't know. Is the is a um, mile and a half speedway? Is that one of those like, oh, yep, we've got that on aisle three over here, uh, and we'll just plug that in, or is it, you know, changing, you know, constantly? It's it's constantly changing. Um, you know, after every race, you come back and you reevaluate where you were aerodynamically and mechanically. So you're always learning, you know, the driver is always learning themselves mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, after, especially now with us, we, we have two young drivers that haven't practiced at all. So what they learn every race is for every, you know, it's just can constantly evolves. Um, the other thing is, is what we haven't seen much in the past with a year like this is the chassis limit. So, you know, up until last year, there was not a limit on how many chassis we had. We would have a hundred plus chassis. Mm. If we wanted to just build the wazoo out of road course cars or speedway cars, we could just build cars without any limit. Last year, they put in a 16 car limit and then COVID hit. Um, so there was a little bit some leniency there. Again, now this is the first year where we're back to a true 16 car limit. And there are a lot of times where you're waiting on cars to come back from the racetrack to get disassembled, to get clean, to get back into rotation. And, and that's part of the problem is, is it's, I mean, it's a problem for us. It's, it's good for the industry. It's saving costs, things like that. But right now for the game, it's, it's really hard for us to, you know, build cars, have them ready and through the system and in time to go to the racetrack. And that's, that's just part of this chassis limit that we're seeing. And, and this is the first year that we're seeing it, especially right now. We're, we're going through a, 
seven week stretch where five of those races, we need backup cars mm. and whether or not you use them, there, there's still changes that happen. The crew chiefs still want their backup cars. You know, people think backup cars are, uh, less of a car, right? No, when you unload that backup car, that car is equally as good. You know, that's what we want. It want, we want it to be equally as good as that primary if it's needed. So, um, getting those cars ready, uh, and getting the cars back from the racetrack and turned around in time for the next race right now is, is the challenge. What does that turnaround look like? Like, um, you know, uh, you finish a race, truck drivers that we talked about, they bring it in, they back it into the shop, car rolls off the truck. Is it just all hands on deck, tear this thing into a million pieces or what does it look well, like? So usually when it's unloaded, we'll, um, you know, people think you just spray it off and go. No, that car gets unloaded before anybody touches it. It gets sent to our um, scanner. We do a full ATO scan, which is like a high def scan on everything. After that, we'll send it through our own Hawkeye. So then we get an actual Hawkeye scan or OSS scan, just like they do at the racetrack. And after that, then it goes to teardown. Um, the car's completely tore down. I mean, most of the time it is, I mean, completely tore down. It gets sent back into, uh, you know, it gets power washed. Those guys, those guys have a, a, quite a job cleaning those cars every week, getting the rubber, the oil, all that off, and they come back squeaky clean. Um, and then it's got to get cut up. And, and really nowadays with the tolerances NASCAR holds us to, every car at least gets door tops down. So if the driver puts their butt on it, that gets cut off. It's, I mean, it's almost roof down every race. So, and then, the, you know, we're constantly evolving, improving. So, uh, you know, for a car to come back and just get the body chopped off it after one race is, it, you know, not, not a surprise whatsoever. So there's so much to do. Uh, it usually takes, we like to be four five, six weeks ahead of mm. uh, the race. And right now we're looking at two, three, maybe, yeah. which is, is tough times. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into these cars. There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of precision. There's, you know, these tolerances are small and, and we want to perform at the highest of our abilities. And that doesn't happen with just a flick of switch. Yeah. Wow. I uh, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, to that level. Uh, I was just joking down to the nuts and bolts or whatever, but it, it sounds like it, it gets there. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's cool. What are some of the most challenging parts that you have to deal with on a on a regular basis? Like, all right, I, I can do this, I can do this, and then that one part comes along and you're like, God almighty, not again. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, like, I, I had – after this year, like, COVID – COVID really put a damper on my job. Um, I was a travel fabricator, and when the COVID hit, they, you know, limited the roster as they should, and so they put me into a, like assistant, associate shot foreman role for the fourteen forty one, where I kind of watch the cars as they go through the system. So, really, for me, it's just getting everybody on the same page because, like we said, there's so many options, right? Like there's so many things that the crew chiefs want. There's so many things that the drivers want and making sure each driver or each, I'm sorry, each person on the team understands what is supposed to go on that particular car, whether it be a 550, 750, a road course speedway, making sure every single person in the shop knows exactly which option they're supposed to, to install on this race car. That's, that's the hardest part. And there's so many people that, uh, that workforce that, you know, it's, it's easy to get into a rhythm mm -hmm. just because that's what you do. And, and this, again, this job is forever changing, forever evolving. And it's hard. It's really hard to just do your job the way you always do it because it's, it's always changing. Like I said, um, you know, making sure the, the drag ducts are installed properly, making sure each little bondo seam is is seamed properly making sure the body hangers have have uh you know the roofs located properly and that goes to the hawkeye the same way i mean there's there's so many so many things to keep up this these cars react in so many different ways as they go through each process of the of the shop that you have to keep up with them every day because even if it goes in the Hawkeye today, it's going to look different tomorrow and you need to kind of learn how it's going to progress through each stage. 
So that's that's really the hardest part is is that, again we're down to the point that if the Hawkeye is five degrees off, mm-hmm. you know, in ambient temperature, that it will show a different scan than it would the oh, day before. Wow. Okay. So. Yeah. And with those tolerances that w- that we always hear about, I mean, it's like uh, okay, hold your fingers a sixtieth of an inch apart. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> they always, they always, everybody always asks, like, are the teams cheating or? And the times, right? I mean. You know, we we definitely pull on stuff. We've seen the last couple couple weeks with uh, you know certain teams playing on skirts or things like that. Like that happens, but for the most part, we're we're not cheating. It's just the, the tolerances and and we're we're pushing them as we should. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So there's a lot of testing going on right now, uh, especially for next year's car. How involved does your team or do you get in in you know all that stuff? Uh, very little. We're, you know, I, br- I brought that up in a meeting one time, just, just asking the question, like how, you know, what's, what's our focus. And I, and they told me that my focus is this year, this car, and to not even remotely think or look at a picture of the next year's car. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're here to win Sonoma. We're here to win Texas. We're here to win Nashville. We're here to win every race this year. And that is the only thing that's on my mind. So. That's uh, that's cool. What so? What does a team look like who is doing that? Is that a whole separate um, group that that works yeah. on those things? Or yep, there's a, a whole separate group that's dealing with that. And and up until like a month ago, I mean, I mean, it wasn't really revealed. People think that maybe the next gen car is just rolling around in our shop. That's that's <laughs> not the case. You know, again, the, the our group of guys, our our main main competition group is focused on this year and making sure these cars perform. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a whole separate group that works with Ford that works with even all the other Ford manufacturers or uh, teams. Um, and th- this whole gen seven program has been a great effort, not with just one team or just one manufacturer, but, but with all the teams and manufacturers, I mean, this is a massive change to our industry. So uh, there's a lot, lot of things going on that are beyond what any of us need to worry about right now. And um, when when we need to worry about them, they'll let us know. Ten four. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Uh, what What is the relationship with the manufacturer from like your uh, from your perspective and your role? Are you you know going back to them? Hey, this thing is all you know all messed up, or is it? Um, uh, I guess where where do they come into play in your role? Well, for me, they actually for me they don't play much of a role. Gotcha. Um, but the I mean, Ford plays a huge role in Stuart Haas and Penske, yeah. Roush, all those things. Uh, I mean, first of all, you look at and and first of all, all of our motors come from from one place, Roush Yates, right? Um, and so they do a great job making sure we have you know the best Ford motor that we can possibly have. Um, and then you go down to CFD and in wind tunnel and you know all of the cfd power comes from ford in detroit so you know th- they have a whole massive bank of computers up there running all of this simulation and and you know that's one thing that was cut back this year was the cfd and people don't understand how much computing power it takes to do that um you know of all of ford let's say that all of their CFD power, all of their production to build real cars, to do sports cars, to do NASCAR. I mean, think of all the things that, that Ford would want to do CF, any kind of CFD testing for. Up until this year where they cut back our hours, Ford, or, uh, Stuart Haas, Penske, and Roush used 60% of that power. Wow. Wow. So – they play a massive role in our resources and our testing and, and, and what we can do and, and how we work together. I mean, uh, you know, four teams work together really well, just not only from the development of the Mustang, but the development of the gen seven Mustang. So, um, you know, we, each team has their own two Ford, uh, aero engineers. Each team has their own, you know, engineer to help them. So, Ford, Ford gives us a lot of support, not only financially, not only uh, R and D wise, but you know personnel wise. I mean, I mean, the manufacturers play a massive role in in how these teams perform. 
Yeah. So, gentlemen, let's go ahead and tear it down from the weekend. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, that was loud. Um, you know, <laughs> that's what you get when we're doing sound effects on the fly. Um, first period of the report card is uh, Charlotte. So, um, you know, we have somebody here. Brian, you went to the race. Tell us about, you know, your perspective, what you saw, what you thought was great or not so great or whatever it was. Yeah, so I actually um, I went to the race as a fan, and it was it was awesome. You know, I sat in the stands. We uh, we had some some bush beers and hung out. Um, it's it's tough, right? I mean, you, you, I go into that race. That's one ring I don't have, mm-hmm. so it's easy for the professional side of me to be disappointed. But as a fan, man, I I saw a great race. There was a lot of passing up front. Um, you know, and Kyle Larson, man, what a what a driver! I mean, that guy gets in. And we're giving out what report cards. He gets an A. <laughs> <There you laughs> uh, we used to do that uh, uh, back in what uh, back in the day. That's where this started. Was uh, was giving grades to everything that that was going on. But uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, not just Larson, but Hendrick now with the two sixty nine. Um, not quite a horn blow for David Smith last week, who, uh, who said Larson was going to win two stages, but Kyle Busch would take the race, but, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a heck of a deal for, yeah, for him, for, for Hendrick, for, um, you know, Chase Elliott was up there. You said it though, a, a bunch of passing, which I thought was really, um, I don't know if that's unique for Charlotte or for, you know, mile and a half deal that we've seen lately, but I, I was really happy with how things turned out. Sherwin, what do you think? I liked it. I mean, obviously, when somebody runs off and leaves with the race, you know, and it's not your guy, you're going to get a certain amount of distension that comes out of that. But I I thought there was plenty to watch that wasn't necessarily Kyle Larson crossing the finish line 355 times. So I was watching that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I, I saw a, a headline. I, I must have missed it during the race. I, I usually have the volume turned down quite a bit. I just like to watch cars go around in circles, I guess. Uh, but apparently <laughs> Jeff Gordon at one point said something like, well, it's a good thing Kyle Larson got passed by Chase Elliott right there because uh, when he leads 200-plus laps, uh, he always loses or something, and then he had to eat his own words. So. <laughs> uh, I remember him saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, uh, you know, what is it about Hendrick right now, Brian, From maybe from your perspective? Um, you know, they're they're going out and they're doing some stuff right now. What is, what is it from that you're seeing that, that they've got? Well, I think part of it, you know, is they went through they went to through a pretty tough period, right? And mm-hmm. kind of like we're doing right now is is they had a, a couple tough years, and and that's where you find the people that that not only want to be there, but the people that want to make things work, right? And that's that's like I said, you know, tough times aren't necessarily a bad thing. You know, there's there's a lot a lot you can learn from from when you run subpar, let's say. Uh, so I really think those tough year, that tough year and a half really brought that group together. I think they, you know, went to work, did their homework and, and they came out pretty strong. I mean, they they came out swinging, you know, um, I definitely think the, the motor, uh, you know, getting RCR and Hendrick together or ECR and Hendrick together, I think, I think having two companies come together with different views on a motor, I think they, they had a lot of horsepower right now. I mean, that's, that's the word in the garage is, is those Chevy motors are running pretty, pretty hard. So, um, you know, there's, there's so many things. Um, and let's not, they have a great group of drivers as well. I mean, they, their lineup right now is just completely stacked and, and not only stacked for now, but stacked for the future. So, I mean, Given their their crew chief lineup, given their driver lineup, and, and given the hard time they had a couple of years ago, and those those guys don't want that to come back, uh, I look I look forward to them. No, I don't look forward to them. <laughs> I, I see them. I see them being a pretty pretty tough contender in the next couple of years for sure. I mean, if not the handful of years. Yeah, we've we've talked about it a few times with the with the lineup that they have. And how and that lineup does not include Jimmy Johnson or Jeff Gordon or Dale Earnhardt Jr. or uh, you know Mark Martin or Casey Kane or it's uh, it's it's a young lineup of drivers. It's a fairly young lineup of crew chiefs, and it's a pretty pissed off group of uh, 
group of individuals that don't want to ever, ever be embarrassed like they were a couple years ago. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. You know, with with Hendrick at, at two sixty nine now, um, is this a you know is this the pinnacle he's been looking for to to hand the reins off to Jeff Gordon or or otherwise? Are we you know is, is he in this? Uh, you know, he's got to be so competitive and everything. Um, curious, uh, you know, uh, your perspective, uh, you know, from the ownership side. You know, I think a lot of people always ask me about Tony Stewart, right? Like, uh, you know, what is his role in the, in the team now? And I think Tony Stewart's role, and I'll say it's the same. I'm, I'm going to say it's about Tony Stewart. I'm going to say it's the same with, with um, Hendrick is, you know, they, their role was to come in and build a team that they, you know, that they trust and don't have to micromanage. Same thing with Tony Stewart. He came in, he did his job, and he put together a group of individuals that he doesn't need to come in and micromanage. He doesn't need to come in and see data, day-to-day operations. Um, and that's that's the point. Like, he came in, he built this team, and and we're self-sufficient now. And, and he come, he should come in and and lift us up as he does, or or do the do much more simple things. We we don't need him to come in and worry about the aerodynamics or you know things like that. That's that's not the role anymore. So for me, I th- I think Hendrick could definitely keep his role. I mean, he's a great leader. He is um, an amazing you know no he's he's a great businessman. He's an amazing leader, and and I don't see him moving from that role anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he doesn't. And if he does, I hope he doesn't go far just like Tony hasn't. So, um, you know, those guys, they got, they got Chad Knauss there doing the things he does. They got those good crew chiefs. I, I hope Rick Hendricks role is more, uh, emotional at, you know, and, and less, you know, people think maybe he's super involved and, I don't know. I don't know if he is or isn't, but I'm going to say he's he's more of a great leader and an emotional leader, and that's a very important part. And I don't think that I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. How often, somebody's got to be the rah rah guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. How often yeah. uh, do you see like Tony or or Gene Haas around the uh, around the garage? They come in from time to time, or garage? Or, no, sorry, not garage. Garage, garage all the time. I'm sure, <laughs> but the yeah. uh, well, yeah, you know around the. <laughs> The, the shop, the shop, I mean, they're still there. Uh, you know, there's again, like Stewart's role is not the same. He's not mm-hmm. here to micromanage. He's not here. You know, he comes in and hoorahs and makes sure everybody's doing their job. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's a different, <laughs> he comes in and, and I'm sure there's a lot more backside of things, right? Like he's probably got a bigger role than beyond what I see. But yeah. for me, I mean, I I don't need Tony Stewart to come and and make me want to work every day. I I want to come to work because I want to win cup races, and I want to win cup races for a lot of people, not just Tony Stewart. And and he's a major part of that. But I don't need him to come in here and and lift me up every day to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, that that's a cool perspective. I like that. Um, uh, you know, moving on to second period here, we talked last week, but I'm really curious from somebody who's close to the competition about rain racing and what you, if anything, have to do differently. And <laughs> yeah, you know, head nodding down, <laughs> but uh, give us, give us your perspective then. Um, well, so my rain racing hatred started not actually even in search, circle track racing, but started in racing. Okay. And being a fan, honestly. So going to Road Atlanta, um, Petit in 2017 when it got rained out. Is, I don't that, know. is that the year? Um, and uh, do we, we lose? We lost Rusty. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I don't follow M's. Uh, outside of the uh, well, Rolex, so I think, really. I mean, I yeah, try to. I, to. I usually go to Petite every year. Is Rusty back? 
Yep. He sort of kind of is not. Um, really. Anyway, okay. uh, so yeah, I go. I used to go petite every year, and um, I went to those two races, first two races, sunny, great experience. Uh, and I believe it was either 2016, maybe it was 2016. It, ra- it rained that race the entire time, and I was miserable watching it. I was miserable there. It actually, they called the race, I want to say three or four hours before the end, and then I had to I had to pull my camper out of the mud, which was a complete disaster to get out of there. So, um, so my, that's when I was like, you know what, racing in the rain and the next, so that's a Saturday, petite's always on a Saturday and the next day was sunny. And I'm like, I wish you just would have had, had the race on Sunday. I would have stayed and, and enjoyed it much more. So I, I'm not a big fan of racing in the rain. I don't like working in it. I don't like watching in it. I don't think the racing really is that much better, in my opinion. I mean, I, I know I'm one of the few, but, um, you know, Coda, Coda was maybe a little more dramatic than it should have been. Uh, you know, as an industry, sure, we have not raced in the rain very much. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot we could learn. Um, but we did way more way more research way more development on our rain setups than people realize i mean we had a car in the tunnel using our vital tunnel hours just running the wood chew wiper trying to test different ways for it to win the rain so for fans to question whether we used rain x or the right wind chew wiper or you know we we did a lot of testing on the right things um the right locations the right blowers, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of stuff to try to make that not an issue. And still, you know, it, it was an issue. So as an industry, maybe we need to do better as, you know, as a company, maybe we need to do better. But at the end of the day, I, I think the conditions were so bad at Coda that we should have been racing in that either. Yeah. That- yeah. Well, one thing about <clears throat> doing something like rain, I mean, uh, potentially the, you know, you might only do it six, seven times a year. Uh, yeah, sustainability requires practice. Yeah. You don't, you can't just show up and say, yep, this part is sustainable because I say it is. Yeah. Well, no, you got to get out there and run for 250 miles and go, nope. <laughs> that definitely, uh, that one broke. <laughs> that <Yeah>. one broke. <laughs> and honestly, the worst, like, I don't mind learning. I don't mind things like that. But at the end of the day, I don't want my biggest, my biggest concern is, is making sure, you know, these drivers signed up to race race cars, but they didn't sign, sign up to race race cars blind. And, mm. and I don't want, you know, the pit crews. I don't want the drivers, you know, well, this is all to be entertainment, but this is not to watch people get hurt. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm all about entertainment. That's, that's what we're here to do. We're here to represent sponsors and entertain people. That is what we're here to do. But, uh, you know, there's there is a limit, and we need to recognize that, and we need to learn from that, and and uh, you know, as an industry, we just need to do a little better. Yeah, yeah, do a little better, do a little better. I dig it. Um, twenty twenty two, they've announced the championship race at Phoenix again. Um, sure. Curious your thoughts on Phoenix, Brian. I mean, I love Phoenix. Yeah, uh, we've we've had some success there. <laughs> Maybe not, not so much in the last couple of years, but no, Phoenix Phoenix as a venue is just absolutely outstanding. Mm. Not only from the venue itself, which which I mean, from the infield to the stands, I mean that is one of the top notch facilities in that we go to. Uh, you know, I. I've never sat in the stands, but I've only, you know, I've been on the infield and, and you can see so many great different viewpoints from the infield. Uh, those stands, I can only imagine what you can see from those, those stands, especially where they move them to. You can see uh, the dog leg, you can see down the back stretch or, you know, you can see down the, the front stretch as well now. So um, as a fan, I think it's one of, one of our better facilities. I think it puts on, I think it puts on a great show. I mean, it's it's had its low points maybe in the last couple of years, and we're figuring that out as as an aero package. But um, you know, I, I think it's a great facility. I think it's a great facility to to end and showcase the best team. 
uh, it, it really stresses aerodynamics, horsepower, uh, mechanical grip. So when you win that race, you know, you know, the best car, the best team won that race. So, and in just the overall area, there's so much to do in that area. Phoenix is an amazing city. There's, there's hiking. I mean, I, I can sit here and talk hours about hiking around <laughs> Phoenix. Um, but then you have the sports. We always go there. We'll watch hockey, hockey games or, or you know, you go there and there, there could be a football game or things like that. So um, there's so much to offer in Phoenix. It's a lot like Vegas. You know, a lot of people yeah. – that, that is one of my favorite venues is, is Vegas, not only just because um, the track, but just what, what – you know, you, you can go to that race and do so much more as well. You, that could be a three- or four-day – travel or for a um, you know vacation for somebody where they could do so much more than just go to the race and and the, you know I want NASCAR fans to go to the race because that's that's what they want to do but they also should go out and enjoy maybe a casino or a hike or or whatever else they want to enjoy and, and Phoenix offers all that you know I would say that the two tracks you mentioned Vegas and Phoenix and me and Sherwin have been to both of those and they're probably on our Mount Rushmore of stories that we've had at race <laughs> weekends <laughs> um, at, at Vegas. Uh, you know, it's Vegas. So uh, anything goes. We we roll. <laughs> uh, Sherwin was living uh, away at the time. We probably talked about it on the podcast before. But we rolled up to Bellagio and sat down at their Kino parlor uh, and just caught up. It, that, that was all we were doing was just hanging out and, and having a good time. And I put... Uh, like 20 bucks into into Kino so that we could get free drinks there. Uh, and yeah. um, and I ended up winning like 65, 70 bucks or something. So then we went to Jack in the Box, was it, Sherwin, out there? Oh. And ordered one of... Yes. <laughs> he ordered one of everything on the menu with the 70 bucks that I had. So <laughs> just, just uh, you know, throw it down. And I mean, that, this is all... This is all ancillary to the actual race that's going on. You know, we watched the Xfinity race... Uh, from the Bellagio again and sat there and played 25 cent uh, uh, video poker with them just feeding us beer after beer after beer. And uh, and I mean, we might have gone through 10 bucks worth of quarters in in two and a half hours and had a blast. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, went to Phoenix. What was it? Two, three years ago. And um, yeah, about it, that. It was the year before the configuration change. And, um, and yeah, we were at a, we were at this little seedy motel kind of thing and, and met up with some other NASCAR fans, uh, went out to the pool. Uh, we were all, nobody had, <laughs> nobody had uh, swim trunks. So we just all went down to our boxers and jumping in the pool in the hot tub, throwing chairs into the pool. Somebody completely, uh, randomly high sided their car on a giant curb, uh, next to us. So we got a bunch of drunks out there to, st- to try to help him. I mean, it was just just insanity, just the stuff that you're, that, you know, just happens in life. And so the, the way that you, <laughs> that you just talk about those two tracks and, and it's not just the tracks, like you said, it's, it's what's going around going on around there. And of course we had that, we had a more Vegas experience in Vegas, but we were in a micro local area of our little motel and whatnot, but had, had just a blast out there uh, at Phoenix as well. And, and the Phoenix track, um, I was surprised. I always talk about how, old school feel it has when you walk up and you see the bleachers and stuff, but it, but a new school kind of like venue. And I don't, I don't know how to reconcile that in my head. It's not like going to Darlington with the concrete stands and stuff, but, uh, but it's, it's not like, you know, going to, I don't know, a, a super new track or something, but it, it's, it's that kind of feel of the old with the facilities of the new there. It's, it's definitely a unique track. Uh, not just, not just with the feel, but I mean, I mean, it's a unique layout, and like I said, it it stresses the team so much from from every aspect. So, uh, I mean, Homestead's a great track that also magnifies every aspect of every team, um, and that that's what you want, right? I mean, you want a track that that makes sure when when the driver wins that the team, you know, it took every bit of that driver and every bit of that team to win this championship, and that's what Phoenix does. So. It's a great place for the championship, and uh, it's a great destination for a vacation as well, like we've said, and that's yeah. that's part of it. I mean, people just don't need to be going to the racetrack. They need to be uh, sightseeing or, or enjoying the area as well, and Phoenix couldn't be a better place for what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Sherwin, <laughs> now I'm reminiscing again. 
approximately how many times did management come down and tell us at, at Phoenix at that motel that the pool closes at 10 p.m. <laughs> oh, it was it was enough that it, that it was kind of like it was funny when he popped around the corner. Yeah, it was, it was basically like a yeah. I'm just doing this so I don't get fined. Right, right. <laughs> just checking the box every round. Hey guys, pool closes at ten. It's like twelve thirty in the morning at this point. Hey guys, pool closes at ten. Thanks. <laughs> hey. Thanks. No, the next one. They got another one coming <laughs> yeah, around, right? All <laughs> like, all right, cool. We're we're good. We got another ten hours. <laughs> oh man. Uh let's talk about Indy five hundred just for a moment. Forty six year old Elio Castro Nevis takes home the trophy. Brian, did you uh get a chance to to see any of that while you were uh there in Charlotte? Yeah, we definitely watched uh, most of it. Uh, we, we ended up getting in the car and traveling over to Charlotte for the 600. But, man, I uh, I get goosebumps thinking about this story, um, you know, for many reasons. First of all, Michael Shank and, and what his – I mean, that, that guy's a racer. Um, the, what he does in sports car racing, his his – you know, his attitude towards this sport. Uh, I know a lot of people have raced for him. He, I mean, that guy is just a straight racer. And for him to start this indie team maybe a couple years ago uh, and and then get the Acura deal in, in IMSA, the manufacturer Acura deal, and, and to get Elio to come in after being let go from Penske uh, and, and hearing that, that Penske didn't want him to run the the, the 500. Um, and then for those two stories to combine and then, and then end up winning the Indy 500 is just uh, an amazing story for so many ways. I, I'm so happy for not only that team, but, but that driver and God, I just, uh, what a, what a storybook ending for both of them. Honestly, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I love all of it. Well, and there's also, kind of a hidden piece of anecdotal awesomeness uh with that car because that car that shank bought <laughs> was the slowest car on the grid last year <laughs> and they turned it into the indy 500 winner that that shank team that meyer shank team they they are uh they're a very underrated team in motorsports not only not only sports car racing but indy car racing uh you know they, it, I, I love seeing Acura going full force, and 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 offering them a DPI deal. I I'm, I really hope that they get the LMDH deal next year, um, and and I really hope to see them for years to come in Indy. I think they would be a great presence in in all of motorsports. So, uh, but yeah, I I didn't know about them buying that car and turning it around. That's that's again that's. It's it's a driver and uh, a car apparently that's been, uh, you know, dropped off and turned around and and shoved in everybody's fucking faces. So I like it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, that, I love all of it because you know I I think that's uh, pretty funny that that uh, you know Elio kind of got kicked to the side and and he came back and won. So you love not just the comeback stories, but the kind of troll stories too. Like, <laughs> look what I did. A holes. That <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that's, that's definitely a troll story. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so real quick on the playoffs, um, you know, it's kind of Hamlin and Hendrick up there up top, but uh, Harvick uh, continues to be strong in points and, and maybe close to home here. Boy, it just feels inevitable that, that there's going to be a W and that we, we talked about it when, when Chase got his win, uh, earlier, uh, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, about how like that will wins will beget wins, if you will. And and I'm curious, you know, in the shop, if it feels like uh, I don't know a trudge or an inevitability, you know, like we know what we're doing, and and especially going into Sonoma right now, where Harvick has had speed. Well, it's uh, you know, uh, <laughs> when, whenever I hear this question, this is very question, I say, <laughs> well, we stomped ass for four straight years and we didn't win the championship. So maybe it's good to get your faults out of the way, learn a little bit more, and uh, peak at the right time. So, no, Harvick, uh, you know, as bad as, you know, as bad as this year has gone, um, you know, Harvick's ran well. I mean, 
people want to think that we're throwing grenades in the shop and, and you look at Harvick and he's you take out the wins. He's maybe ninth in points. Uh, I don't know exactly where he's at, but um, he's had some really good runs and, and he's been there. So Harvick, Rodney and that four team, they're, they're always going to be in it. And I, I feel very much you can compare them to LeBron James and, and say, you know, in, until they're out, they're out. And, and I hope that's how the field thinks, you know, because those guys could win at any moment. And when they do, it's going to be like a, a shark tasting blood, and they better watch out. You know, if, yeah. Go ahead, Sherwin. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, there are some teams that just kind of get in there and, and they get the win, and it really doesn't amount to much. With Kevin, it feels a lot like, you know, he's got – anywhere from third to eighth every week and and like polishing off a win you know like you said that blood in the water that okay all right we found enough that that we can do the rest on the fly the other part of that is when when you know harvick has won you know that we found that issue so that's the warning you know so <laughs> whenever we find that issue you better watch out because harvick can't let back you know you don't have to worry about him uh knowing what to do when he figures it out when when we can hand him that little puzzle piece it's going to be on so they better they better be ready and hope we don't find that puzzle piece you know right uh yeah. it, it's uh it's interesting it, it the namesake of the company has a little experience here 2011 uh, with Tony Stewart, you know, uh, it, it kind of exactly what you're talking about there with, um, you know, whether it's whether you call it sleeper or what, whether whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, just lighten it up in the in the uh, playoffs and championship, um, you know, finishing. Uh, what, was it one, two with Carl Edwards in or, or Carl Edwards, uh, you know, uh, ran. Or no, it was one, like, one plus a bonus point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was like a tie. Plus a bonus. Yeah, it was a tie, I think. Yeah, with, yeah. With the bonus point to lead the lap or most laps or, yeah. or whatever it was. So, yeah. I mean, this, again, like the, the way we have done this championship format, nothing matters mm-hmm. until until we get to Daytona. And, and even then, nothing matters until we get to the end of round one. So, um, you know, there's, there's no time for panic. There's just time for improvement. Uh, there's plenty of time for us to make our cars better. And, you know, as long as, as we make the playoffs, there's, there's any possibility, any, anything can happen. And, um, you know, again, that's the other reason. You know, it's not like the old point system. You know, I, I hate – well, I won't say hate it. I miss the old point system where it's just all based on points. But right now I'm telling you, I love it. I love this a lot because we can, <laughs> we can you know, run the way we have and we can win one race and, and Harvick can go out there and, and, and beat him to death in the playoffs to win this championship. So, uh, you know, any, anything anything is possible still. So, Well, gentlemen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's gas it up. There, there it is. It's Sonoma. So, uh, what, uh, Brian? What are you looking forward to into Sonoma? Sounds like y'all got one car away, or or one car in a backup. Um, <laughs> you know what? What's the next few days look like for you? And then what's what's the weekend look like? So again, I, you know, the car is going to get their finishing touches tomorrow and be loaded up early. Be headed out. Uh, man, Sonoma. We haven't been there in what? Two years now, you know, yep. that we had last year off. So uh, I love Sonoma. I always love going out there. I love the fans, um, the atmosphere. I love the wine, the food, all that. So, uh, and, and at the end of the day, I love the racing. It's it's a short track road course. It's it's hard nosed. You can bump and bang. Uh, you know, we saw this is where Tony Stewart got his last win, and. And it was a pretty rough win. Uh, he moved Hamlin out of the way. I mean, those cars were beat to death. So <laughs> this is a fun racetrack to watch. It's very technical. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's very hard on equipment. It's very hard on mechanical grip. I mean, you have to, you know, it's not so aerodynamic, but you have to take care of your brakes, take care of your, your car, make sure that it can actually last the race. You can't just beat your car to death and, and have a tire rub or or – or any kind of mechanical issue. I mean, um, you know, so I'm really excited. I'm excited to see, you know, the last time we went there, they had the new format of the track. Uh, 
part of me likes it. I like the extra turns. Part of me misses that turn where they jump and and do all their <laughs> circusery or mm-hmm. circus. Oh yeah, where they basically leave the track for like fifty yeah. feet. <laughs> so uh, that's no longer there, but you know it's it's also harder on brakes. It added another passing zone. So um, you know, I'm I'm really excited for Sonoma. Uh, I look forward to you know Chase Briscoe has been so far a great road course racer, and actually Cole Custer as a rookie or uh, since he's been a rookie, he's run decent at the road courses. So um, you know, I look forward to to him. Briscoe and Harvick really showcasing their their stuff and and at the end of the day, Emerald, it's he's he's in a, a bad spot. He needs to have some have a good run. So I look for him to be super aggressive this week. Let's let's uh, that'll be fun to watch. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And and <clears throat> with, with all these new road courses, we have to come up with different like styles for them or whatever because it used to be. That we'd say Watkins Glen is kind of the call it super speedway of the road courses, and and Sonoma is almost the like Martinsville or Bristol of, a, yeah, of yeah. road courses. So you know what does that make Coda, and then and then we have our well, I'll call them stadium courses with uh, Daytona and Roval. Um, so you know there's there's a lot more to to chew on this year. Um, so anyway, uh, let's close it out with this. Let's do some picks. Uh, for this race, and uh, Brian, we'll start with you. Who you got uh, for Sonoma? <laughs> can I pick outside of us? Uh, I'm not gonna. <laughs> let's say Harvick. Uh, for us, I think Harvick's gonna be our our strong guy. Um, you know, he's won there. He's done really well. Uh, he, you know, just you know, he has to has to do good. You know, he's he's smelling that blood. Um, but other than that, um, you know, I think obviously can, can you pick other, someone other than Chase Elliott or Martin Truex <laughs> right now? The, the right. other two, um, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a, a surprise here, but go ahead. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll think of one, but Martin Truex and I say, you know, the obvious, uh, Chase Elliott, I mean, it's hard to root against him right now in those road courses. Awesome. Well, let's see last week. Sherwin, you picked Harvick. So there you go, Brian. We we had homers last week for you. And uh, I picked uh, Hamlin, who finished seventh. Harvick finished tenth. So, Sherwin, you're up first this week. Who you got at Sonoma? I'm going to pick William Byron. Ooh, good. <laughs> Mr. Simulator. There you go. And he, uh, the keeping the Hendrick train <laughs> rolling for the big 270. So, let's yeah. see. I promised it. I'll say it here. Uh, Chase Briscoe. There we go. Picking, yep. Picking, going with the, with the home team here. I, you, you got to with, uh, with the folks on the line. Rookie season for say, so I'll give you some inside information here. All right. Uh, so, we, uh, we're, you know, it's been pretty tough getting cars ready this year. Um, we actually had to go to our Coda backup to go bring to Sonoma just because we couldn't get the actual Sonoma car ready in time. Hmm. So if anybody's wondering how, you know, tight the the timetables are right now and all these teams um, and that code of backup, I love that code of backup. Uh, the body came out great. Um, the guys put it together. It's, it's a fantastic car. I love that car. I actually liked it better than the code of primary. Um, so that is going to be Chase Briscoe's car this weekend. I'm really excited to see it. I'm really excited to see him perform. Um, and I actually, you know, I, I was a big uh, proponent on getting that car to actually race at Sonoma. So I, I hope it runs well. I hope he runs well because uh, I, I was pretty, you know, I'm excited about this car that we're bringing to Sonoma. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. The insider yeah. info. You heard it here on PTM podcast. <laughs> uh, Brian. I, will, I, will say, I thought I thought of uh, one quick one one big yep. sneaker pick. Uh, I'm gonna say McDowell. I'm gonna say he's gonna. I'm I'm pretty excited to see how he does with that uh, front row car. He's a great road course racer. He's a Ford team. Um, I think McDowell's gonna be one to to mess with this weekend. There we go. Sure. We'll yep. uh, we'll watch out for that, Brian. Uh, it has been a blast. I can't believe it's already been an hour and I lament that I'm probably going to go back and do some work, but 
it uh, and and Sherwin's probably going to go pass out somewhere. Ooh, so. I almost did about five times already. <laughs> so with that, uh, why don't you go ahead, Brian, and close us out? Uh, where can the folks find you, and where are you going to be next? Uh, Matt at Brian Murphy underscore or at Brian underscore Murphy underscore on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll uh, you know. I'm on there. I'm, I'm not traveling much anymore, so you're more than welcome to contact me on social media or, you know, contact you guys and get in contact with me or whenever you guys can have me back on, I'm, 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 I would love to be on. So, Well, we have absolutely had a blast. Uh, like I said, it was, it was, oh, Brian Murphy's coming on? Absolutely, I'm in. Sherwin, I'll spare you <laughs> having to talk too much here. You know where you can find him, Pregame Engineer, on Twitter, on Instagram, PTM Podcast, and PTM Podcast on the Twitter handle. As always, I'm Rusty Wallace at Tailgate Mayor. Can't wait to talk to y'all next week. We'll break down Sonoma. It's going to be a blast. Y'all have fun. We'll see you.